Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, known as The Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net, at thewebalchemist.net and empoweredmanifestation.com, which is where you can get my book of the same name. Um, today is the 6th of March, 2021. And um, the title of today's show, although there'll probably be more in it than is in the title, there's lots to share, is States Firing Back, Cancel Culture Gone Crazy, CPAC Censored, Open Biden. So I'm going to start with just reporting on the states that have now opened up 100%. The news this week has been about Texas and Mississippi and having no mask mandate or social distancing, which is great news. This is effective in Texas from next Wednesday and in Mississippi actually started immediately on, on the 3rd of March. Uh, of course, Dr. Fauci has slammed the move, um, but it's starting an avalanche of particularly Republican-controlled states opening up. Now, Arizona is one of them, and I'm currently spending time in Arizona over the winter. Um, Arizona ha has never had a statewide mask mandate, but certain counties do have it. So I was kind of curious as to what takes precedence. And unfortunately, it seems that it can be mandated at the county level and it happens to be the county that I'm in which is Maricopa so unfortunately there's still this stupid mask wearing which I actually don't follow as regular listeners will know I I do not wear a mask I do not uh, comply with this ridiculous rule now we actually have a response to this from Biden and he called Texas and Mississippi Neanderthal about their decision to reopen. This is um, resist the mainstream. And Texas, Mississippi respond to Biden Neanderthal remark about their decision to reopen. The governors of Texas and Mississippi responded to President Joe Biden's assertion that their decision to reopen their states was the result of Neanderthal thinking. I think it's a big mistake, Biden said, in a response to a question about the two states. Look, I hope everybody's realised by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American to get every adult American to get a shot. The last thing, the last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine, take off your mask, Biden continued. Forget it, it still matters and it's critical, 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 critical that they follow the science. Wash your hands, hot water, do it frequently, wear a mask and stay socially distanced. And I know you all know that. I wish the heck some of our elected officials knew it. Well, of course, if you follow the science, you know that masks are useless. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, Republican, was the first to respond to Biden's remark, writing on Twitter, President Biden said allowing Mississippians to decide how to protect themselves is Neanderthal thinking. Mississippians don't need handlers, Reeves said. As numbers drop, they can assess their choices and listen to experts. I guess I just think we should trust Americans, not insult them. Rene Ease, press secretary for Texas Governor Greg Abbott, also Republican, responded to Biden's remarks in a statement to the Daily Wire. The governor was clear in telling Texans that COVID hasn't ended and that all Texans should follow medical advice and safe practices to continue containing COVID, Abbott's office said. The fact is, Texas now has the tools and knowledge to com combat COVID, while also allowing Texans and small businesses to make their own decisions. It is clear from the recoveries, the vaccinations, the reduced hospitalizations, and the safe practices that Texans are using that state mandates are no longer needed, the statement added. We must now do more to restore livelihoods and normalcy for Texans. The governor's focus has been and always will be protecting the lives and livelihoods of Texans.
Abbott later took a more direct shot at Biden from his personal Twitter account over a recent report from NBC News that the Biden administration was allegedly releasing some asylum seekers into the US who, after being released, were quickly tested for coronavirus and were confirmed to have it. The Biden administration is recklessly releasing hundreds of illegal immigrants who have COVID into Texas communities, Abbott tweeted. The Biden admin must immediately end this callous act that exposes Texans and Americans to COVID. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican Texas, fired back at Biden, mockingly calling him Uniter in chief while tweeting out a, a gif of a Neanderthal. United Uniter in chief, and it's a there's a it's like a little cartoon character in the tweet. Um, and NBC News tweet, new President Biden calls Texas and Mississippi decisions to end mask mandates a big mistake and criticise what criticises what he views as Neanderthal thinking after CDC warned against complacency in the face of emerging coronavirus variants on Monday. So that was resistthemainstream.org. And then just for a bit of fun, Babylon B, of course, the satire site, um, puts out an article, experts warn lifting mask mandates could contribute to dangerous spread of freedom. US experts have issued a dire warning to the nation that the lifting of mask mandates, business closures and capacity limits in Texas and Mississippi could contribute to the spread of liberty across the nation. As states like Texas begin to lift their mandates, we could be seeing a deadly outbreak of freedom, liberty and personal responsibility all across the nation, said Dr Andy Patton of MIT. We're really not encouraged by the numbers here. I'm worried other states will see this. People will start thinking they are supposed to take responsibility for their own health and their own decisions. And that's just not what America is about. In a sweeping consensus... Scientists all agreed that one state finally ending its unconstitutional mandates could lead to other states doing the same. Consequences could be severe, ranging from people doing what they want and just living their lives to the populace attaining herd immunity and making government action on the pandemic irrelevant. California and New York quickly responded to the declaration with emergency bans on importing any freedom from Texas, Mississippi, Florida or South Dakota. I love it. The other thing that is encouraging from Mississippi, again, is that they've passed uh, a transgender ban in girls' sports. This is uh, from resistthemainstream.org. And it says the Mississippi House passed a bill 81 to 28 Wednesday to ban transgender athletes from competing on girls and women's sports teams. Six representatives did not vote and seven voted present, which counts neither for nor against the bill. The ban would apply to teams at the state schools and universities. The bill now heads to the desk of Republican Governor Tate Reeves, who is expected to sign it. The Republican-controlled state Senate passed the bill 34 to 9 on February 11th, with five senators not voting and four voting present. In a day one executive order, President Biden called on schools across the country to permit students to participate in sports under their chosen gender identity. Several lawsuits across the nation have emerged after high school girls have challenged policies that allow transgender females to compete in their field, noting the physical advantages that transgender females have over cisgender females, girls who are born and identify as female. Reeves is a father to three daughters and says he is actively involved in their sports. On the day of Biden's executive order, he wrote on Twitter, I am so disappointed over President Biden's actions to force young girls like them to compete with biological males for access to athletics. It will limit opportunity for so many competitors like my daughters. It is a bad policy and it is wrong for America, he added. The human rights campaign noted on Twitter that Mississippi became the first in the nation to pass an explicitly anti-trans bill in 2021 and that was an excerpt from fox news so let's move on to cpac and 
Apart from the CPAC being censored, which I'll cover, there's also been some other controversy around CPAC, and that's on the stage design. I'll be looking into that or sharing news about that with you as well. So YouTube deletes all copies of President Trump's CPAC speech and suspends RSBN, Right Side Broadcasting Network, for two weeks. This was published March the 4th, and it's an article from Gateway Pundit. YouTube has deleted all copies of President Trump's speech to CPAC given last Sunday in Orlando and has suspended the account of Right Side Broadcasting Network for two weeks as apparent punishment for live-streaming the speech in which Trump reiterated his belief the 2020 presidential election was stolen from him. YouTube took down videos from mainstream outlets, including the UK Independent, which had over 1 million views, as well as Fox, Fox Business, ABC News and the UK Sun. A search of YouTube that earlier this week showed several channels with archived live streams of the speech now shows all archived live streams have been taken down. Trump's speech was wildly popular with upward of over 30 million streaming views across several platforms being reported. CNN reported about 5.8 million viewers watched the speech on cable TV's Fox News channel and another 1.5 million watched on Newsmax, making Trump's speech the most watched on all of cable for February and besting the Golden Globes awards show on broadcast over the air on NBC later Sunday that was watched by 6.9 million viewers. TGP, Gateway Pundit, reported Monday on some of the view counts of Trump's speech on YouTube. Right Side Broadcasting, 3.7 million. The Independent, 1 million. The Hill, 906,000. Reuters, 902,000. News Now, 818,000. ABC Australia, 352,000. Sky News, 222,000. ABC News, 208,000. Fox 35 Orlando, 50,000. RSBN announced the suspension Thursday, noting that they had foretold the action by YouTube after they ran Trump's speech on Sunday. President Trump talked about election fraud. That's a big no-no on some platforms we stream to. We try to play by the rules, but we will not censor President Trump. We're not going to remove or edit this video, just so we're all clear. If it gets removed, we didn't do it. New. RSBN has been suspended from YouTube for two weeks because of the Trump CPAC 2021 speech, which violated their guidelines on election misinformation. The video was approaching 4 million views. They have also removed it from their platform. And that was a tweet from RSBN, RSB Network. And then the article shows um, a tweet from Lord Ubieta. I presume she's part of the RSBN team. And it's got a before and after. So the before shows the um, video embedded in the tweet. And the after shows the video having been blocked. This video has been removed for violating YouTube's terms of service. Um, the tweet has an embedded live feed from the UK Sun newspaper's YouTube account. Click on the video link to see what YouTube has done. And this is a tweet from Kevin Kosar. What were the odds that the results of the 2024 CPAC 2021 presidential straw poll delivered just before Trump's speech were going to show anyone else as the favourite? And that's got the, the uh, video embedded. And also in a Fox News channel on YouTube, it's a tweet from Keith Stewart. Watch Trump's speech live on YouTube at 2.40pm Central Time. Of course, if you click on the link, it just goes straight to, you know, the black screen. The video has been removed. So typical censorship. They are so afraid of Trump and his popularity. They really are. It's laughable, really, that they have to, you know, go to such lengths to censor everything that he does. Um, it goes on, while hard to find on Twitter, a Periscope feed survives as of now. Um, I'll just click on that, see if it's still available. And sure enough, yes, 
it looks like it's still there. So they can't get rid of it on every platform. Obviously, YouTube is well known for its ridiculous censorship, as is Facebook and Twitter. And <clears throat> says also it's still available on the UK Independence in-house video, which did not get the million views its YouTube feed did. So, it, as I said, it's still around. C-SPAN has not been taken over by the Maoists of Big Tech yet and still has Trump's speech in full online. Regardless of the Big Tech censors, the people love Trump. A tweet by Washington Examiner, the crowd at former President Donald Trump's CPAC speech chants, we love you. And if you haven't watched the CPAC speech, um, I really encourage you to do so. It was great. It was great to see Trump back and, you know, fully on form. And it's such a contrast with um, the Biden, uh, Hyden Biden. And, you know, people have regarded this speech as being the State of the Union speech, which Biden hasn't made and he hasn't even done a press conference yet. Um so, you know, Trump is really stealing <laughs> the thunder from Biden. And I've got some other interesting stuff to share on that in a few minutes. So let's just look at this um, this controversy again from the left about the stage design. And this is an article from Red State. Designer of CPAC stage accused of looking like Nazi symbol is identified. Kicker is who they are and for whom they've worked. This was published March the 3rd. We reported on the crazy leftist conspiracy theory that the CPAC stage was somehow a Nazi symbol. And that's a link to a previous article. So let me just jump to that. Liberals and media go crazy over the latest CPAC conspiracy theory. There are no doubt a lot of conspiracy theories out there media has been trying to tag the right on some of them, but there's no doubt for the past four years some of the craziest, most virulent and lunatic conspiracies have been coming from the left. Now they've just cooked up another one, which my colleague Jennifer Oliver O'Connell touched on earlier today, the belief that somehow the stage at CPAC is a Nazi symbol based off an old rune. Now, my colleague pointed out how ridiculous this was if you were just at CPAC and knew who was there and saw the great diversity of people. Does any rational person think that CPAC would be making the stage into a Nazi symbol? The problem is these people, presumably adults with functioning brains, think this is likely and are spreading this as though it were rational to think about it or to think it. Yet these are the same people who chastise people on the right as cult-like for following conspiracy theories. Not one person at CPAC is there thinking about what the stage looks like. But hey, these crazy leftists fixated on Nazi symbols. Maybe it says more about them. These are the same kind of folks that turn the OK symbol into a white supremacist symbol by their very mania. Uh, Max Nordo, rune expert on Twitter, says they genuinely think the floor design of CPAC 2021 is a Nazi dog whistle. You really can't make up this level of blue and on hysteria. And this is in response to a tweet from Hammy, H-A-M-I, having worked with Norse and Elder Futhark, I think that's how you pronounce it, iconography for years. I'm quite alert to the glyph shapes and their associations in the modern world and history. So why is the CPAC 2021 stage an odal rune and specifically one with serifs or wings that was used by the SS? What's a conspiracy theory without Alyssa Milano to help push it? Alyssa is down with it. And again, from Max Nordo, rune expert. Good Lord, Alyssa Milano, are the Nazis in the room with you right now? And this is in response to Alyssa Milano's tweet. This is the stage at CPAC. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. At Hyatt, this is what's happening in your building. At Ted Cruz, you stood on this stage. And it's a link to an Instagram post. It even reached the media. TMZ had a go at it. CPAC stage design looks similar to Nazi symbol used by SS Platoon in a tweet. 
the Hyatt Regency is coming under fire for allowing a design like this to be featured at their hotel. That's a link to TMZ.com. People had fun mocking TMZ. Replying to TMZ, this is Caleb Hull. Uh, Hey, TMZ, is there a reason you are using the same colours as the Nazis? And Tim Young replying to at TMZ. They're not even hiding it anymore. That, again, is in, resp- in response to the tweet about the same colours. TMZ and others even bothered the Hyatt about it, the hotel where CPAC was being held, and they're trying to hunt down who built it and will likely run some poor schnook somewhere out of business. Hyatt is like, what the heck are these crazy people saying? Alyssa Milano tweets, in other words, at Hyatt is totally fine hosting Nazis. Um, and this is in response to a tweet by Nancy Levine, new at Hyatt spokesperson, emailed me with this statement about Hyatt Regency Orlando hosting CPAC 2021. Hyatt's most fundamental responsibility is to provide a safe and inclusive environment for all of our colleagues, guests and customers. Our commitment to this principle is informed by our purpose as a company, to care for people so they can be their best. We take pride in operating a highly inclusive environment and we believe that the facilitation of gatherings is a central element of what we do as a hospitality company. We believe in the right of individuals and organisations to peacefully express their views, independent of the degree to which the perspectives of those hosting meetings and events at our hotels align with ours. Our own values support a culture that is characterised by empathy, respect and diversity of opinions and backgrounds, and we strive to bring this to light through what we do and how we engage with those in our care. Snopes ended up addressing it, disappointing leftists by finding the claim unproven that there was an intentional use of the symbol. Good grief. Honesty for once. And this is a tweet by Ben MacDonald, replying to at Red Stees. I mean, I agree. I'm just glad Snopes is on the case. And it's showing a screenshot of rating unproven. What's true? The shape of the stage resembled a version of the Odal rune symbol that has been used by a number of Nazi divisions during the early 20th century. What's undetermined? We were unable to verify at the time of this writing whether the allusion to the Nazi symbol was made intentionally or consciously by any CPAC organisers. The mania behind this is funny and it shows how easily led down the primrose path all these folks are when they are told something like this. But it's also a bit concerning that none of these people have any critical thinking skills at all to understand that's not a rational conclusion. It also shows how unfamiliar they are with Republicans or Republican thought. They only know what they've been told. While you think that CPAC is a fun event with interesting speeches and things to do, they think it's full of racists and white supremacists sharing secret symbols built into the stage and attacking Jim Acosta because attendees chanted CNN sucks at him and no one threatened him in the slightest. These people are unwell. Diana Blort tweets... Replying to Alyssa Milano and Hyatt, I'm proud to say that I called the Hyatt in Orlando this morning to complain about their CPAC Nazi stage. It made my day and I highly recommend it. Speak up. Um, So when they're talking about cults or followers, they maybe should look in the mirror at the crazy that they're willing to follow and believe in. It adds to the mania that media has been stoking since January 6th that Republicans are a threat to democracy. This is a dangerous demonization going on. So continuing on with that, um, with the first article I started with, liberals flipped out, went after the CPAC organisers and Hyatt for hosting and even tried to hunt down who was behind building the stage. Well, now they've figured out who was behind building the stage, but it doesn't exactly fit the liberals' fevered conspiracy theories. According to Forward, Design Foundry is a stage design firm from Hyattsville, Maryland. It said it, in quotes, had no idea that the design resembled any symbol, nor was there any intention to create something that did. They said the whole purpose was to provide the best use of the space, given the constraints of the ballroom and social distancing requirements. 
Design Foundry has worked with CPAC for several years, but now CPAC spokesperson said they will no longer be working with the company. It's clear that the company we retain designed a stage that has become an unwelcome distraction. In addition to CPAC, Design Foundry has also worked with MSNBC and companies like Google, Citibank and Target. But there's another thing about the company that journalist Yashar Ali revealed. It's a very pro-Biden firm. And this is a tweet from Yashar Ali. Number one, I know Design Foundry because they handle design for many events in DC for companies like MSNBC and Target. They oversaw the design for the Biden Cancer Summit in 2018. The owner, Annie, is very liberal and was so excited for Biden's victory. Great work, conspiracy theorists. And this is um, responding to a tweet from Jacob Cornblue. Exclusive Design Foundry, a Maryland-based design firm, has taken responsibility for the design of the CPAC stage that resembled a Nazi insignia. The firm says it had no idea that the stage resembled a Nazi symbol. And then continuing from Yashar, number two, also worth noting that many of her employees are liberal. So many of you decided to go after something without any reporting or knowledge about who was responsible for the design. And before you ding her for working for CPAC, you try having an events business during a pandemic. Number three, an event design company that's coming up with a stage design does nothing to help CPAC or elevate its status in any way. What it does do is keep people in the event business employed during a pandemic which has destroyed businesses and jobs. Number four, and none of you will admit you got it wrong or apologise because in your minds it means you're caving into Trump. Now, an event company which is a liberal owned and run small business is associated with a horrific allegation that is based on conspiracies and no evidence. The article continues. Are you listening, liberals? Your craziness got this liberal run company cancelled at a time when such companies probably are really hurting a lot. And now you're linking a pro Biden company that's done work for Biden to a Nazi symbol. Good job. What a way to backfire. Here's some of their work. Mike Rothschild tweets, Remember all those people who knew the stage at CPAC was definitely patterned after a Nazi rune? They were definitely wrong. And that's um, replying to the tweet about Design Founder that I've just read to you. He goes on, Some other infestations of Nazi horror designed by those fascists at Design Foundry. The Mandela Hundred Years Gala and the Biden Cancer Summit. This whole thing just shows again how dumb all these ridiculous conspiracy theories are. Even now, some on the left refuse to believe that this company didn't mean it. Just chalk up another one for the crazy conspiracy chorus. So this week also we've had this uh, Senate committee hearing on the Capitol riot. And these claims by the, the leftists, the deep state, people uh, being shot down in flames. So the first thing we have is a Gateway Pundit article again and this says another Democrat media narrative goes up in flames. FBI official admits no firearms were confiscated by law enforcement at Capitol Riot and this was published March 3rd. Um, it turns out the armed insurrection at the Capitol building on January 6th didn't involve any firearms. The Democrats, their dishonest big media and big tech and their fact checkers claim the intrusion into the Capitol on January 6th was an armed insurrection. Senator Ron Johnson on Wednesday asked top FBI counterterrorism official Jill Sanborn if law enforcement confiscated any firearms on January 6th during a Senate committee hearing on the Capitol riot. Ms Sanborn said that no firearms were confiscated at the so-called insurrection. How many firearms were confiscated in the Capitol or on Capitol grounds that day? Ron Johnson asked Sanborn. To my knowledge, we have not recovered any on that day from any other arrests at the scene at this point, Sanford said. Ron Johnson pressed for more information regarding firearms. Nobody has been charged with an actual firearm weapon in the Capitol or on Capitol grounds? Sanford replied, correct. How many shots were fired? Johnson asked. I believe the only shots fired were the ones that resulted in the death of the one lady, Ashley Babbitt, Sanford said. 
There you have it. Another Democrat media complex narrative goes up in flames. And it actually has a video of that hearing from NBC News. And then the other interesting piece of news, and this is from Conservative Brief, Dot com. National Guard Commanding General blows gigantic hole in Dem narrative, reveals unusual directive before January 6th. Um, and it just has a disclaimer. This article contains commentary which reflects the author's opinion. It's written by Martin Walsh, who's got a lovely golden retriever with him in his profile shot. Um, a top official just blew a major hole in the Democrats' narrative about the January 6th mayhem that took place at the US Capitol. While testifying before Congress, Major General William J. Walker, the commanding general of the DC National Guard, revealed the Capitol building was not unprepared, in quotes, for the chaos on January 6th. The security was inadequate because the commander of the National Guard was told not to authorise additional troops, including a quick reaction team, without the express approval of a civil authority. That would include Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the House Sergeant-at-Arms. This morning you have testified that you received this letter from former Secretary of the Army, Ryan D. McCarthy, on January 5th, Senator Portman said. So, the day before the attack on the Capitol. In that letter, did Secretary McCarthy prohibit you from deploying the National Guard's quick reaction force without his authorisation, he asked Walker. So, I have the letter in front of me, General Walker replied, and his letter does not, but it is the Secretary of Defence, Christopher C. Miller, says that I have to use it as a last resort. But the Secretary of the Army told me, and it's, I have the letter, that I could not use the quick reaction force. It would, I will just read it, Walker added. I withhold authority to approve deployment of the District of Columbia National Guard quick reaction force and will do so only as a last resort in response to a request from an appropriate civil authority, General Walker read from the Secretary of the Army's letter. I will require a concept of operation prior to authorising the deployment of a quick reaction force, General Walker added. Now, a quick reaction force is normally a commander's tool to go help, either a civilian agency, but more typically to help the National Guardsmen who are out there in need, need of assistance. Thus, the quick reaction force was deliberately kept from acting quickly to address a developing emergency at the Capitol grounds. And then it shows the, um, the video of that inter interchange. Amazing, that certainly blows a major hole in the Democrats' talking points. One night before the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th, agents at the Federal Bureau of Investigation felt it was necessary to alert Congress that there was a threat of violence. So they did what any law enforcement official would do. They sent an email to, to low-level officials and zero follow-up. NBC News reported on the surreal revelation which came out during today's Senate hearing on the Capitol riots. An FBI intelligence report describing plans of violence at the Capitol was sent via email to lower-level officials the night before the January 6th riot and was never read by Capitol Police or Washington, D.C. leaders, according to testimony at Tuesday's Senate hearing. Senators call that an intelligence breakdown by both the Capitol Police and the FBI. Ex-Capitol security chiefs deny ever seeing the FBI email, nor a memo that suggested a violent action was coming. Axios reported, the now former officials responsible for capital security on January 6th testified Tuesday that they did not receive an FBI threat report warning that extremists were planning to travel to Washington to commit violence and, in quotes, war. The testimony by former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, former House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving and former Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stenger came during the first in a series of congressional oversight hearings that will examine the security and law enforcement failures that led to the January 6th insurrection. The article continues, however, the Capitol Police had warned the Congress days prior that there was a high potential of violence breaking out at a protest near the Capitol building. 
Former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sutton disclosed the information today at Senate testimony. As recent as Tuesday, January 5th, during a meeting I hosted with my executive team, the Capitol Police Board and a dozen of the top law enforcement and military officials from D.C., he said. No entity, including the FBI, provided any new intelligence regarding January 6th. It should also be noted that the Secretary of Homeland Security did not issue an elevated or imminent alert in reference to the events at the United States Capitol on January 6th, he added. We properly planned for a mass demonstration with possible violence. What we got was a military-style coordinated assault on my officers and a violent takeover of the Capitol building, Sun said. Sund also named intelligence that even Antifa was expected to be in attendance at a protest that could turn into a riot. The intelligence that we based our planning on indicated that the January 6th protests were expected to be similar to the previous peaceful MAGA rallies in 2020, which drew tens of thousands of participants, he said. The assessment indicated that members of the Proud Boys, white supremacist groups and Antifa and other extremist groups were expected to participate on January 6th and it, that it may be inclined to become violent, he added. The former Capitol Police Chief's testimony has been indispensable in establishing that there was plenty of advance warning for the House and Senate. Sund earlier stated that the House was warned six times about the pending danger. He revealed the sources, the resources the Capitol Police requested, including a stronger National Guard presence in a resignation letter aimed directly to Speaker Pelosi. The FBI reportedly did nothing to assist in the effort to secure the Capitol, despite intelligence indicating that extremist groups were planning an assault as early as December. So again, it looks like a setup by um, the Democrats to discredit Trump supporters. And of course, we, we definitely had Antifa and BLM activists there who were the ones actually doing the damage. Um, there are plenty of videos of Trump supporters trying to stop people from breaking windows. And then, of course, we have the videos of the police opening the, the barriers and literally waving people in. So this whole thing is just another uh, farce. It, it Unfortunately, so many of the liberal left-wing supporters are just being fed this nonsense and, and swallowing it without a second thought. So time to actually do some critical thinking and, uh, you know, read the actual evidence or see the actual evidence of what happened and don't just take the mainstream fake news reports as, uh, as truth. And of course, this is being completely blown out of all proportion. We've now got, and this is, this is the headline of another Gateway Pundit report, weirdo Dem Rep Eric Swalwell Yes, the Swalwell who slept with the, the Chinese spy files lawsuit against Trump and allies over January 6th capital breach. This was published yesterday on the 5th. Um, weirdo rep Eric Swalwell has filed a lawsuit against former President Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Representative Mo Brooks and Rudy Giuliani over the January 6th storming of the Capitol. Swalwell, who, who remains in office despite having an inappropriate relationship with a Chinese spy, filed the 65-page lawsuit in federal court in Washington, D.C. on Friday. Each of the people named in the lawsuit spoke at the rally that took place prior to the breach. The horrific events of January 6 were a direct and foreseeable consequence of the defendant's unlawful actions, the complaint says. As such, the defendants are responsible for the injury and destruction that followed. And there's a tweet from Swalwell. Today I filed a civil claim against Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Rudolph Giuliani and Representative Mo Brooks for inciting an attack against the Capitol that terrorised lawmakers and prevented us from certifying the votes of the American people. And it shows a screenshot of his statement and... It goes on after that tweet I just read to say, unable to accept defeat, Donald Trump waged an all-out war on a peaceful transition of power. 
He lied to his followers again and again, claiming the election was stolen from them, filed a mountain of frivolous lawsuits, nearly all of which failed, tried to intimidate election officials and finally called upon his supporters to descend on Washington, D.C. to stop the steal. As a direct and foreseeable consequence of the defendant's false and incendiary allegations of fraud and theft, and in direct response to the defendant's express calls for violence at the rally, a violent mob attacked the US Capitol and stopped Congress's counting of electoral college votes. The defendants assembled, inflamed and incited the mob and as such are wholly responsible for the injury and destruction that followed. Oh, get over yourself. Honestly, this is so ridiculous. Especially since, you know, it's it's already been pointed out and proven in the impeachment trial that... Trump did not encourage violence from his supporters. And, you know, as I've read from a different article, you know, the history of Trump supporter gatherings have had no violence whatsoever. So the whole thing is just more attempts to discredit not only Trump, but the so-called deplorables who support him. The article just continues a little further. The Hill reports that the lawsuit seeks unspecified money damages and asks for a court order requiring Trump and his allies to provide at least a week's notice before before holding any future rally in D.C. related to an election. Among the allegations contained in the nine-count complaint is that defendants conspired to prevent lawmakers and then-Vice President Mike Pence from certifying President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris's election win in in violation of a federal civil rights law. The report continues. Former President Trump was acquitted by the Senate over his role in the January 6th protest. And then to add even more insanity, uh, Gateway Pundit, House shuts down Thursday's session over garbage claims of pro-Trump militia attack. And this was published on the 3rd. Nancy Pelosi shut down the US House on Thursday over the garbage claims of a pro-Trump militia attack. When was the last time a pro-Trump militia attacked a federal or state facility with guns blazing? Never. When was the last time a Trump militia shot up any facility in America? Never. And this is um, an image of five nuns holding a Trump 2020 Keep America Great sign. I can just see them storming the Capitol. The FBI admitted earlier today that not a single protester on January 6th was armed. Not one. But it doesn't matter. The Democrats are going to continue to play these fantasy games. The Capitol Hill police are even increasing security based on their alleged militia plot on the Capitol. What a great job. Just make up something and call out for the day. And there's a link to another article here. Capitol police increasing security based on suspicious intel warning of militia plot to breach Capitol on March the 4th. So, of course, nothing happened. They were made to look completely stupid. And uh, it's so amusing to see them being humiliated in this way with these stupid claims about how how dangerous uh, pro-Trump supporters are and actually the opposite is true. And then we have cancel culture gone crazy and this is an article from The Federalist. The experts have finally come for Dr Zeus for our childhoods and for our children but we know their secret. Every day in America, panels of experts are hurting people, erasing traditions, writing rules, rewriting history and burning the leftovers. On Monday, they came for Dr. Zeus and with him, all of us. And this is by Christopher Bedford from March 3rd. I don't remember much from kindergarten. We lived on Toby Road in Belmont, Massachusetts, a little town next to Cambridge and just a mile from Boston. In an old house, my parents, Uncle John and their friends had spent months renovating. My mother had grown up here and we knew good people who would help out on the weekend for cold beer, subs and a project. I remember our dog Cullen, a young Irish setter, chasing our school bus all the way to Winbrook Elementary School. I didn't see him and he didn't manage to find me before I shuffled indoors, but he passed the morning playfully knocking toddlers over in Joey's Park until my mortified mother got a phone call to please pick up her pup. 
I remember not long before my dad had volunteered to help build Joey's Park, the sprawling and beautiful school playground designed by the children who missed Joey O'Donnell, a little Winbrook boy, who lost his battle with cystic fibrosis. If I had been looking the day Cullen went on an adventure, I'd have seen him jumping up and sniffing every terrified little kid's face until he found his kid. And sometimes my imagination pretends I did watch the chaos giggling on my tiptoes in the second story classroom window. I remember we were studying Dr. Zeus when the teacher came in and told us he had passed away. I don't remember any tears. We were children and I was surprised to learn Dr. Zeus had been a living man like Dad or my papa just the day before. I'd always assumed men as big as he, whose influence seemed everywhere in life, were men from a different age than mine and couldn't imagine having shared five years of my own lifetime with the Dr. Zeus whose drawings were on my classroom's walls and whose lonely animated mountaintop villain had tried to steal the Who's Christmas when my mother was still just a little girl. I remember I was surprised, and I also remember that classroom at that exact moment. We were sitting cross-legged on the floor, the windows looking down on the playground on our right, the little area where I get in trouble for deconstructing cardboard building bricks to build robots just behind my teachers, and the door to the hall left of that. In the years that followed, Dr. Zeus stuck around, from the cat in the hat to Cindy Lou Who, who was no more than two, and the Grinch himself, whose place in our hearts couldn't even be stolen by Jim Carrey. When I left home for the last time after graduating college, my neighbour Courtney gave me a copy of Oh, the Places You'll Go, with a written inscription wishing me luck on my way. Massachusetts is a special place for the stories we learned when we were young. Louisa May Alcott based Little Women on growing up in a brown Concord home, a short walk from where my family lived when I was in third grade. In Boston Public Gardens, you can see the little bronze sculptures of eight baby ducklings following their mother, a tribute to Robert McCluskey's 1941 classic, Make Way for Ducklings. The men who hunted Moby Dick set sail from New Bedford. I look forward to the day I have children of my own, but whether it's an Ed Emberley book on how to draw a haunted house, my mother's cookie recipes, or the bittersweet story of Mike Mulligan and his heroic steam shovel, at my rare sentimental moments I like to share the memories of childhood with the children of my friends. On Tuesday morning, however, I was looking for myself when I scoured the internet for and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street an early Dr. Zeus book inspired by the Massachusetts town he'd grown up in. I'd shopped for books for my godchildren and for my friends' kids, but never before for the children I hoped someday to have. Until Monday, but when I logged online, going through the catalogues of used bookstore after used bookstore, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, was already selling for hundreds of dollars, and in some cases for thousands. On the way back from an errand, I stopped at the local children's bookstore, but it was nowhere to be seen. The old used left-wing bookstore around the corner was closed, another business suffering in the Covid economy. That morning was National Read Across America Day, commemorating Dr. Seuss's birth 117 years ago. President Barack Obama began the tradition of issuing a White House proclamation on this day, never failing to pay homage to Dr. Seuss. In his final year in office, the president caught him one of America's revered wordsmiths. President Tr Donald Trump continued in this way with the First Lady, an immigrant born in Soviet Europe, reading Dr. Seuss's books to children in a hospital in 2017. On Monday, President Joe Biden broke this short-lived but beautiful tradition. That's fine. It's stupid, but it's fine. The same day, however... Dr. Zeus Enterprises, the company that publishes his books, issued a statement saying that after consulting a panel of experts, they had decided to stop publishing the book I was looking for, along with the delightful If I Ran the Zoo and four others. These books, they wrote, portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Of course, no child thinks that. No one has ever been hurt by Dr. Zeus. Some days, somebody somewhere did something to the experts, in quotes, 
who roam our society, imagining grievances, enforcing orthodoxies, ruining lives, banning children's books and literally stealing Christmas. Somebody did something to kill their spirits, but it wasn't Dr. Zeus, who never could have imagined the things he imagined filled his zoo would some day be banned by experts for being hurtful and wrong. And of course, the references to somebody somewhere did something is is related to Ilan Omar saying that about 9-11. Some people did something. Now, unless something changes, neither my children nor any will be able to laugh and giggle at the whimsical and fantastical vehicles, parades and creatures he saw in his zoo and on his old street. Now those memories will be the wards of collectors. Most of us haven't had the opportunity to hold a thousand dollar book, but we all can imagine their jealous owners frowning mightily at the thought of a child's hands, sticky with candy or dirtied outside, bending back their precious pages. We've seen bannings before. They seem to happen every day now, from Hollywood to the prairie to the pantry. Some of them are somehow stupider than others, even if they're all wrong, like removing an American Indian woman from Land Lake's butter or banning Aunt Jemima pancake syrup. If the people who make the strange toy Mr Potato Head want to make it stranger still, our lives are not really affected, but Dr Zeus, he's personal to all of us in our own ways. He helped teach us to read. He celebrated our graduations. He was there at Christmas time. He shared his imaginary world with us. He brought happiness to people he never knew in places he never went long after he was gone. How many of us can say that for ourselves and truly believe it? Do these experts bring happiness to children? To anyone? Dr. Zeus seemed like a mythical figure when I was a child, but he was a real man named Theodore Zeus Geisel, born on March 2nd, 1904, in Springfield, Massachusetts. He was a real man who felt real rejection, even walking home to burn his Mulberry Street manuscript after it was rejected by at least 20 different publishers. Generations of Americans would never have read it had a college friend not interceded and saved his story from destruction. Now the next generation won't read it either. Every day in America, panels of experts are hurting people, ending careers, ruining lives, erasing traditions, writing rules, rewriting history and burning the leftovers. On Monday, they didn't come for a stranger on the TV or a scholar in some distant academy. They came for us all. They came for our childhood memories and for our children, born and unborn. They came for Dr. Seuss. Remember that next time they claim some moral authority over you. Remember the happy bits of your childhood when you look at them. Know them for exactly who they are and pity them, these experts so lacking in the happiness of innocent imagination. You know their secret, but they know nothing of the joys a child holds in their heart. Teach your children who these experts are and why they're sad, but most importantly of all, teach them of your joys and share with them those things that can never be taken. So just back to the Theatre of the Absurd, which is Biden, for a few minutes. Um, This is an article from Breitbart. Watch White House cuts video feed after Joe Biden asks for questions. The White House abruptly cut their video feed of a virtual event Wednesday after President Joe Biden asked reporters for questions. And this is a tweet from the first, and it's the first on TV. Biden, I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do. White House feed cut. I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do, an uncertain Biden said. Biden was speaking with members of the House Democrat Caucus, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The president appeared to look off camera for direction before his image was replaced with a graphic of the White House. His final comment was deleted from the video of the event posted to the White House YouTube page. Breitbart News reported Biden has not held a solo press conference in the 42 days he has been president, breaking a 100-year record. CNN's Jake Tapper wrote on Twitter that Biden's, in quotes, 15 most recent predecessors all held a formal solo press conference within 33 days of taking office, end quote. And um, there's a screenshot of that tweet from Jake Tapper. It says, um, Kevin Lip. 
tax CNN uh, notes that an analysis of the past hundred years shows President Biden's 50 most recent predecessors all held a formal solo press conference within 33 days of taking office. Biden has not, and it's day 42. Last week, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Biden would hold a press conference at some point, but it would not be this week. So that's interesting and not surprising. But then there's something really bizarre. And this is again from Gateway Pundit. What the hell? Question mark. Drunk, drugged or insane. Pelosi giggles, proclaims open Biden as her new magic word. And I'm actually going to play this video for you because it's just unbelievable. Crazy Nancy nearly spit out her dentures again. Pelosi started giggling and cheesing for the camera on Thursday. The Democrat leader told viewers open Biden, not open sesame, was her new magic word. She knows Dementia Joe won't push back on her plans to rip up the Constitution, fling open the borders and drain the wealth from America. This was just bizarre. And there's a tweet from Abigail Marone. She says this cannot be real. And it's got the um, the video embedded within it. And I'll play it for you now. In order to open these doors, we do not say open sesame. We say open Biden. That's our magic word. Open Biden. I love it. That is hilarious, I have to say. I mean, <laughs> you you just have to laugh. And I don't know where this was or where this uh, where she said this, so I can't give you any context to it, but things just get crazier and crazier. <laughs> now, in the few minutes I've got left, I just want to cover something that is intriguing. And it's an article that I found or I came across a couple of days ago. And it's from Real Raw News, and it says Navy SEALs arrest Hillary Clinton. It was published March the 4th. And I was a bit circumspect about this. There's no sign, or there wasn't a sign that it, this was valid. And there were some details on it in it that were a little bit strange. But then today, uh, Simon Park on his blog at simonparks.org, put out a short statement headed Hillary Clinton's emails. And it says, I've now had two separate reports that action was taken against Hillary Clinton relating to the NSA having succeeded in getting beyond the acid scrub that was used to delete emails. The reports I have received go beyond simple infringements relating to money and national security. So it made me wonder whether she has actually been arrested. So I'll just read a portion of this. Um, I don't have much time left. Um, it uh, starts, the chant lock her up has finally seen fruition. U.S. Navy SEALs loyal to Donald Trump raided Hillary Clinton's Chappaqua, New York estate and arrested her on charges of treason, destruction of government property and aiding and abetting the real, the enemy, real raw news has learned. The arrest happened on Tuesday night, according to a source in Trump's orbit, only hours after Trump had spoken to Rear Admiral Hugh W. Howard at U.S. Special Operations Command and given him a mammoth trove of evidence of Clinton's criminality dating back to her days at the State Department. The evidence allegedly includes thousands of never-before-seen emails which Clinton acid-washed prior to the 2016 presidential election, as well as documents implicating her in plots to assassinate Republican legislators across the country. The evidence was so compelling, our source added, that Admiral Howard had trouble believing that Clinton wasn't arrested years ago. Trump's been wanting to get her and the rest of the deep state cabal ever since he set foot in the White House. It has taken him years to dig up the mother load. Once he had military support, he greenlit the operation. Trump's team, for lack of a better word, had been surveilling Clinton a long time and he knew she was always alone on Tuesday nights. That's when the SEALs nabbed her, our source said. Under cover of darkness, an eight-man detachment from Naval Special Warfare Group 3 infiltrated the Chappaqua Mansion shortly after 2am. 
Mysteriously, Clinton's two-man secret service detail, which normally lives in a guest house on the property, was absent that morning. The SEALs cleared the main building, then silently breached the door to her bedroom, where they found her awake, rehearsing a speech before a vanity mirror. They fired a single tranquilizer dart into her neck, our source said, before taping her mouth and sealing a black cloth bag over her head. That's the bit that I thought was rather strange. Anyway, the SEALs also see several laptops and reams of paper, our source said. I don't know where they took her, only Trump knows that, but this is proof that Trump and the military have started taking out the cabal. It took him longer than expected, longer than he wanted, but better late than never. Trump is doing what's right for America, our source said. Trump will soon send her to Guantanamo Bay to face a military tribunal for her crimes against America and its people. Gitmo, our source said in closing, is run by the Marine Corps and the US Navy, both of which have forsaken Joe Biden and instead pledged to help Donald Trump vanquish the forces of darkness that have enshrouded the nation in corruption for decades. So um, I'll leave it there. It's up to you, you know, whether you think this is true or not. I think we'll probably need to wait for more verification of that. But in view of what Simon Park said, I just thought it was worth sharing with you. So I've actually overrun slightly. (laughs) Apologies to Nancy. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating Show next week. Uh, As a reminder, find me at successalchemist.net and thewebalchemist.net. And um, thank you to Nancy for producing. And I hope you'll join me next week, as I say. And stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper.